Listener Production. Okay, here we go. He is ice cool in moments like this. Oh, the big fella runs back into heavy traffic. Look at him go! Footy Talk, I'm Adam Peacock alongside Michael Chamis and Danny Widler and a bit of beef between journos we'll talk about this week and also the breaking yarns that you two have produced for the Rugby League world. Danny? We'll give you an insight into the Dragons now. Oh, good stuff. And Michael? And hopefully Mitchell Moses follows through and joins uh, Parramatta. <laughs> we'll see. You left it hanging out there, mate. <laughs> Welcome again to Footy Talk, the Journos edition. Bit to talk about this week. Let me tell you right now, Adam Peacock alongside Michael Chamis from uh, the Sydney Morning Herald. How are you, mate? I where I'm from. Listen to the bloke. Well, I wasn't sure if it was nine newspapers or, you know. There's only one bloke from nine. 100% There's only one bloke from nine that matters. It's Danny Widler over there. How are you, mate? (laughs) Hey, I'm very well. Very well. Now, guys, I was at a launch yesterday for Fox League launch. Mm -hmm. It was a very enjoyable affair. Mick Ennis and uh, Braith and Asta got up in jetpacks. I didn't get an invite to that. I've, that's not what you know too, you know, Danny. Yeah, I'm sorry. Is he bagged and what does he expect? <laughs> anyway, were you there? I got an invite though. Oh, okay. Why did you go? No, well, maybe it's an email I don't check often, oh. but I didn't get one actually. Fair enough. Well, I was along there and, and Mick and Braith did their jetpack thing and it was good to hear from some of the legends that Fox League have got on their roster. But there was a story that's miraculous appeared on, I think, in the Herald today. Yes. That was a stern talking to uh, between Paul Kent and Mike Mealwood, who writes for the Raw. I was there, but I was not there. I was upstairs. You missed the yarn, mate. I know. I was interviewing Mal Meninga. I wanted Mal to see it. I don't care about myself. I wanted the big fella to see it. But no, came back downstairs and they're like, oh, I should have seen that. They're into each other. It wasn't physical. It was purely two blokes have an opinion about each other to each other's faces. Mate, you sound like a rugby league CEO. <laughs> I, I heard that about five times this week. We'll get to the Dragons a bit later on. We'll get to the Dragons a bit later on. But I don't know if I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> but journos v journos. Does oh. this happen often? What are we talking, physical or we're talking? Anything. Like look, blow up. Honestly, that it's a, we could do a whole podcast on journo feuds. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, I've been around for a long time and I've – seen them all i've been in a few i've never been physical with the journal because I'm, I'm a lover not a fighter i'm of course uh, it's not really my style to do that sort of thing but uh yeah plenty of feuds plenty of dislike uh, for me it's i've got a i know this is going to sound like a long hangover but i've got a hangover from the super league war Ooh. so this is mid 90s so that that was a real divide between a lot of the media it was yeah. you know it was media wars as well as everything else that was going on and that made me um enemies for decades uh, with some people. Still and, still hanging over to uh, that? Some were never solved. Yep, mm. absolutely. I would not want to have, to have solved them given some of the things that I was subjected to, personal stuff. Other things, yeah, you can solve them. I mean, if we want to name some names, I, like I had a, a long-standing uh, standoff, uh, almost a cold war with Phil Rothfield, Buzz. Mm-hmm. And, you over know, what? Over many things. Uh, we were opposition columnists, still still are to this day. Like we've been doing, he's been doing it forever. I've been mm. doing it for nearly forever. And yeah, we've had a lot of, a lot of, we didn't, we didn't talk for years. And Is there I, respect there? For oh, what he does look, and what with you Buzz, do? yeah. Look, we're very different people, I think. Mm. Um, but I, I respect him as a news breaking journo. Absolutely. Yeah. Why wouldn't I? He's been doing it for a long time, broken lots of yarns, caused lots of headlines on his own part. And yeah, I, I respect him for that. Uh, but we we come from different angles on a lot of things, and hmm. at the moment, I don't think we're talking. Um, well, you're off him. 
I think we're off at the what moment. What happened now? Oh, nothing major. Nothing major. I think I stirred them up, News Corp up a little bit about when uh, they were claiming that they were responsible for Tim Sheens being appointed to the Tigers. And <laughs> I keep reminding of that. And I'll remind them that if the, the Tigers go badly, I've done that a few times already. So, yeah, that's that's caused a bit of a stink. And, you know, he had a go at me over something with Brandon Smith and whatever. It's just, it's all part of it. And mm. I, I would have spent less than 30-odd years of journalism. I would have spent less than five hours in Phil Rothfield's company. So You spent I, a lot of time impersonating him, though. I'm not going into impersonations today, Michael. Uh, Michael, can you let us know when you have a week off? Because I actually asked Buzz yesterday. He mentioned it. What are you doing? I said, oh, I'm doing this. Oh, yeah, good good on you, blah, blah. I'm doing it with Danny. I said, would you come on? And he goes, oh, I'd think about it. So, <laughs> Mick, can you have a week off next you're, week? You're, yeah, we'll get him in here. I'll <laughs> see the side. So, yeah, that, that caused me a lot of problems. I yeah. mean, Super League was a, a big thing in terms of, I don't know if this is interesting for people or not, but that was that caused a lot of friction. And mm. uh, your contacts came from one side of the fence. A lot of them remain like that as well. And, you know, some people have never forgiven or forgotten and, that doesn't worry me. See, I, I don't, I don't go anywhere near as far back as Danny, but I don't think the hostility among journos is as bad as it once was. Is it that was fair bad, to say? Yeah, it was bad, yeah. Because I, I didn't really experience that. I, I know a lot of people say in the you know, the nineties and the early two thousands that it was like people didn't talk to each other in a press in a press box. And some of my good mates are from the opposition: Brent Reed, Michael Carrianis, guys who I get along with really, really well, who sometimes makes the job awkward, but it also motivates you to try and beat them because you are mm. so close. So yeah, mm. you, you try not cross that line, but... Well, you had a, you were holding onto your yarn. This is all about holding onto yarns, is it not? Part, because... it's, yeah, it's part about who, you, who your contacts are and your yarns, where they're coming from. And what I don't enjoy um, is when you get a story and a rival journo will ring your source and berate them or have a crack at them. But not giving them not the giving, story. And I think that's, you know, just get get your get your story. If you miss on. it, you miss it. You miss yeah. it. There's, there's, there's always another story. Because you had one on the Kangaroo Tour that you were telling, or the World Cup Tour. You were like traveling with Reedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's you're difficult. sharing a car together. It's difficult, But you yeah. had a yarn and he didn't have it and you've somehow got to hold on to it because it's your profession. Yeah, and, and it's awkward because, as you said, he's you're in cars together, you're going to and from places and you don't want to be, come across – like you're trying to be deceptive, but you also have a job to do. And and sometimes you, people will get upset. It's happened before where you think that, not that you owe anyone anything from the opposition, but as you said, there are, there are times and places where you are together and you can't avoid it. Hmm. You don't mean to be a snake, it's, but sometimes you, there, there are stories that pop up and you've got to keep it to yourself. And Adam, you'd know it's a very competitive game. Oh, across it's, all sports, yeah. It's a yeah. competitive game. Like hmm. in the NRL, the, the competition between journalists is, is strong. Uh, I know what a delight you get from breaking a yarn, Michael. I mean, you, and that's great. That's that's a good thing to see that you get so much joy out of getting a good story and, and you're proud of yourself and you should be. Like you did really well this week on Mitchell Moses, for instance. That was a good story. You beat everybody right. to it. Oh, I'm giving <laughs> well, you a rap here. If it's right. Well, that, and that, wow. that's the thing. So, well, I'm, I'm actually being whoa. serious. At, at the end of the day, like if you, you run the risk of I'm being left with out. egg on your face if stories are wrong. And that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the industry we're in. That's the game we play that. You need to back your sources, and if you feel like you're right, you go with it. And now, I know we're going to talk about Mitchell Moses a little bit earlier, but there are stories over the over the course of your career where you look back and you think, you know what, I shouldn't have gone as hard at that, or I maybe have should yeah, have worded it differently. Call at the it's, moment. A, it's a judgment call. No one's going out there writing stories because knowing that they're wrong, but still mm. writing them. You know, I'm not writing the story about Mitchell Moses signing with Para just so Moses gets upset and signs with the Tigers, even though Danny thinks I'm always trying to help the Tigers out. But 
you make calls based on the information you have. And sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. Back to the feuds though, right? Yeah. I don't know if this will make the cut or not. We might have to edit it out, but I'll tell you a story. One, one Charlie will be the judge of that of over there first, and he's smiling at the moment. So. One of my first introduction to the competitive nature of rugby league journalism and and dislike among people and whatever was, I, I don't remember the year, but I was a pretty young journo. I'd already got offside with people because I was producer for Peter Peters and he was having a massive feud with Ray Hadley at the time. Mm-hmm. So I'd learned, so I became a, a Hadley enemy yep. and that I've only just recently sorted through things there. Mm. That was years of years of, you know, um, of sniping and whatever else. I remember he always used to have a go at yeah, you on the always, continuous call. Always, and, always. Yeah. But anyway, I think, I think we're okay at the moment. Cool. Um, but I was in a, in the press box at Parramatta stadium and sitting there was Ray Chesterton. He was filing, he was a Telegraph journal mm. and he was filing a story right at, sort of at the back of the press box with an old fashioned phone with the cord. And he was sitting there and Ray Warren walked past him and, um, this made the papers back then. So it's mm. not a secret. <laughs> Chesterton said to Ray, um, uh, g'day, g'day rabbits. And rabbits looked at him. Obviously I didn't know there was a history between the pair. I'm sort mm. of standing in the back of the room and, and Rabs sort of turns to him and goes, uh, g'day. Obviously, a derogatory nickname, and, and all of a sudden, the next thing I saw was the phone around Chesterton's neck, the cord, sandwiches. The, all the sandwiches were supposed to get to eat, <laughs> flying everywhere. They were into each other, uh, and I was, I was standing up the back of the press box with Zorba, yeah. and I said to Zorba, "Hey, is this usual?" Stuff? Goes, oh, to let him go for a minute. Just let it, just let him go, and I said, "Okay, well, that's yeah, they're having a good crack at each other here." Um, you know, and I think there was obviously some history. And Zorba eventually stepped in and separated them. Okay, boys, get back. You know, this is a long time ago. But it was a funny, you know, an insight for a young journo to see. We missed out on the sandwiches, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) That's outrageous. So you get party pies now. And it made the papers. I remember the story made that I'm reading about it. Well, I can tell you right now, the one at the the Fox launch, it was along the lines of, to a witness who was there, and I went down and and talked to the witness, it was along the lines of the, the handshake between John Howard and Mark Latham. Okay. You know, it was like two blokes having an opinion. It didn't get physical. You know, they were calling each other a few names by the end of it. I kind of rate it from both of them that they're, they're happy to just face-to-face instead of sniping at each other through the media or through text message or through Chinese mm. whispers or whatever like that. I just had it out. The two blokes who didn't want to back down and um, on with life they go. There's the, more important things to life, surely. Yeah. The, only, the only feud I've ever had, and it wasn't related to anything to do with work, was with Brent Reid actually. Mm. He didn't talk to me for about two or three weeks. Over, PlayStation? Well, we were playing PlayStation at the time. We were in Coffs Harbour on Origin Camp for the Blues, I think maybe 2014. Mm-hmm. I got read his phone and changed my name in his phone to Aaron Woods, who was in the Blues team at the time, Triple M's Aaron Woods. And the exchange that Reedy had with Aaron Woods, which was myself at the time, he thought was Aaron Woods, was, I can't repeat on radio, but... Lucky we're not on radio. Well, yeah, well, like, <laughs> it's a podcast, let's, let's just say the coincidence of him having an hour conversation with Aaron Woods via text message, then hearing noises outside, going on the veranda and seeing Aaron Woods, I didn't expect that. So, so Reedy walks outside thinking he's had this conversation with Woodsy oh, no. and continues to have this conversation on the veranda. And Woodsy's there with Clem and, and he's looking at Reedy like, what is wrong with this bloke? What is he talking about? That's a fair stitch up. I'm inside and I'm not exaggerating. I am weeing my pants. Can I say that? Yeah. It was like, and when he eventually found out and the contents of the, of the messages were so embarrassing and I couldn't help but tell everyone in Origin Camp about it. 
You didn't talk to me for about two or three I weeks. I would have belted oh. you. It was, it was hilarious. It would, have been, it would have been worth it. If I copped the shiner for that, it would have been worth it because Reedy was so embarrassed. Oh, man. You're I, a stirrer, Chammy. I think we're going to have some opportunities to go down this path on this particular subject throughout the year on Footy Talk. <laughs> we're going to push on. And speaking of punch-ups, um, or was it a punch-up? Danny, you broke this story early in the week. Yeah. Uh, the Dragons, they went to Mudgee, um, had a few too many mm. and got home at 6am and that's not a good combination. <laughs> Footy players in pre-season, 6am finish and fully loaded. Now, can you double down on what happened and also how common is it and getting wind of this, how confident you have to be to actually break the story? Well, look, I, I obviously, when I was tipped off about it, mm. um, I made a, a bunch of phone calls and, and to the Dragons credit, when I spoke to officials there, because I wasn't sure how bad it was and, you know, because you know, you're hearing things and you, mm. you want to make sure you're right. The Dragons said it was this incident, which was not a huge incident by any stretch. They didn't, apparently they didn't punch each other or, mm. um, you know, apparently it wasn't that heated. Uh, well, I'm sorry, it was heated, but it wasn't physical. To the Dragons' credit, they said it didn't meet their standards. And I said, well, that makes it a story for me. And they, they were happy for it to run. Mm. Okay. So, and if they if they said, listen... Honestly, there was nothing there mm. and it's just a minor argument, but they, they were of the opinion that it was more than that. And if the Dragons hadn't confirmed it and said it didn't meet their standards, uh, it wouldn't have been, if they didn't say that, it wouldn't have been a story, but because it, because they said that it's a story and it's, I guess it's a, a, an insight into what's going on at the Dragons that they're having consistent problems mm. off the field. It raises questions like, they were poor against Souths, particularly the first half. And Terrible. then they're allowed, because they didn't break any, they were, they were allowed to go out on the drink. Have a blowout. Yeah. Because they had the buy in round one. Yeah. And look, the Dragons just can't seem to get anything right off the field. Or well, can't get it out of the way of themselves. I, I don't know what the hell's going on at that club. I'm a Dragons fan. And what's going on at that club at the moment is embarrassing. The, the way they have fallen, they were... They were the benchmark of rugby, like the biggest brand in Australian sport for a long time. Mm. It's just embarrassing. And the incident in isolation, Danny, isn't that big of a deal. It isn't that big of a deal. But when you consider the context of what's been going on at that club for the last few years, on the back of a number of players with off-field incidents, yep. and then on the field, they have been so poor, yep. so poor. The coach has been lucky to survive. Yep. And only a shortage of options has kept him in that job. Well, who does this reflect then, on? Well, it reflects on the whole club. But... It shows a lack of leadership amongst the players to continue getting that, themselves in that position. And for the club, now I know they were booked to stay the night in the hotel, so they had to stay there. They had to stay another night in Mudgee. South Sydney were on a bus straight after the game back home. But surely you turn around and say to them, after a performance like that, with all your fans in town, like we know how small Mudgee mm. is as a town, you stay in-house, you have a couple of drinks amongst each other, you go to bed, you get back on the bus, you go back home and start working on getting things right because you are a long way off being a, a very good fo a football team. But to decide to go out to 2 a.m. and then come back and continue on and drink till 6, 7 in the morning, continue to uh, have a scuffle that falls into the car park and everyone's outside trying to break things up, it just reflects poorly on the club in the context the, of what is going on at the moment. And yeah. now we've got Francis Molo pleading guilty to a charge yesterday. Mm -hmm. It's just incident after incident for a club that has just fallen off a cliff in recent years. Michael, the other worry is, which you may not know, but... Um, the people who were giving me information on this incident were saying that there's video mm. of it. Someone filmed it. And that always comes out. Well, if it comes out, it comes out. I, I don't know. But that would not be a good look for the club, again, 
that just continues it on. Yeah. Is just, it all born out of the fact that in the first place they were a convenience to create the club, as in St. George Illawarra? And, you know, they, they train down at Wynn. Some players come down from City. There's, there's still a, like 100 kilometres between the playing group and where they actually reside. Mm. So that's a hard thing. When they had a good coach, they want a comp. Yeah. No, when they had a yeah. when they had a, a really good coach, they won a comp and the right profile of player, yeah, in the club yeah. that were there well, and even, you know, they, even before they, they won the comp, they boys, like for those long suffering Dragons fans, those five, six, seven year period before they actually won the comp, when we kept choking, falling short of the line, five, yeah, like with Trent Barrett yeah. and the guys like Jason Riles and Luke Bailey. I remember seeing Luke Bailey after one of those preliminary finals, and yeah. that was officially the angriest man I've ever seen on the planet. But you would have, it as a Dragons half, fan, you would have been happy to see that. Half an hour after the game, he was like mm. steaming, breathing out of his mouth. He was like, he, he was like all tense. He yeah. was walking. He'd changed into his like the gear that Danny's wearing now, you know, the nice club suit and everything yeah. like that. And he was like full on flexing and he was like just about to punch a wall. And that <laughs> yeah. was a man who cared about yeah. his profession and what he was doing. Do you get the sense that there's enough of that at the Dragons at the moment? No, I don't. And I just think they've gone away from what made the club successful I, and bringing in so many recruits Guys from not even, not just outside the area, outside of the state. Like it's been such a focus on Queensland recruits from Anthony Griffin, who's from Queensland. And you get to a point now where the demise from winning a comp, like it felt as though winning that comp and breaking that drought was the pinnacle. And then after that, the care factor just dropped. And it's just, it's not good enough. You look at Penrith and what they've been able to do and sustain that and the Roosters and Melbourne, mm. that's what you expect from a powerhouse team. And the Dragons, whether we like it or not, have become the laughingstock at the moment. We are on Footy Talk, the Journos edition right now. Back in a moment with a uh, story that DJ Shamwar over there broke <laughs> earlier in the week, Mitchell Moses. <laughs> Welcome back. Before the break, I called him DJ Shamwar. He's actually like literally dressed in all black, isn't he, Danny? He's got the, the Adidas funky trainers he on and he's wearing headphones. When we're Way when... too cool for us, mate. <laughs> I know. Like I had slides on when I walked out of the car and I went, oh no, maybe I'll wear closed shoes when I'm in a <laughs> professional environment Look here, the but... part, play the part. I've always believed that. <laughs> Looks like a Bondi boy, not a Penrith boy to me. <laughs> okay? Mitchell Moses, Mr. Break the Story, staying at Parramatta. So is it holding? Is there confirmation? What's doing here? <laughs> well, there's no confirmation. Both the Eels and Tigers say they haven't received confirmation from the Moses camp that he's staying. They wrote the story early in the week that he's set to knock back the Tigers offer. It's my understanding from the people I've spoken to that Mitchell has made a decision and mm. that he wants to stay at Parramatta. That hasn't been relayed formally to the club, but I stand by that decision, that the decision to write the story. Uh, I think Mitchell Moses will put pen to paper in the coming days and will remain there for a very long time on a deal worth around one25 million dollars a season, which is huge money. Huge mm. money for a guy it's that probably what he's probably what he is worth though, isn't it? The thing is people are still caught up in the old the old salary cap where yeah, that's right. they haven't accounted for the fact there's an eighteen percent pay rise for those top thirty players. So on the old money, yeah, it's about one point one, which is still one of the highest paid players in the game. You you consider the fact that he hasn't won a premiership yet. He played Origin, I know, but that was because there were some injuries. So he's not Nathan Cleary James Tedesco, Tom Trebojevic elite, but he's, he's Cleary, getting in that direction. Nathan Cleary under that scale, if, if he's on 1.25, is a 1.6 player, I reckon. James Tedesco is a 1.6, if if that's the amount he's getting. And if you're being, if you're just, just putting it on a scale of that, they're better than that. Yeah, Mitchell. but I don't think they do what Mitchell's done. I think Nathan Cleary, James Tedesco, Tom Trebojevic, they say, you know what? I am Manly, I am Parramatta, I am, or well, I am Penrith. I'm going to just sign the deal. I'm not going to play the game of trying to look around elsewhere. 
Why would, Mitchell, you, why would you leave the, the comfortable house that they're in? Well, that's that's right. And unfortunately for Parramatta, they've had to go through this now and pay a little bit overs, but that's what the market demands. If someone's in for them, then that's what it demands. Whereas I don't think anyone goes in for Nathan Cleary. I said that before. No one comes in for Nathan Cleary because they know he's not going anywhere. Mm. And Penrith, they so do what you're, they you're, have to you're do. criticizing the way that Mitchell's done the deal. No, no, I'm just saying it's, I think it's a different strategy to what those guys, we said, the elite players who are established at their clubs, who have won competitions, would handle it. What was the offer from the Tigers or the mooted offer from the Tigers? The, the offer from the Tigers was about 1.4. 1.3 has been preliminary approved from the Tigers over four years. I think they could go up to 1.4 if they had to. And is that for more years? My no. understanding, it was four years. You remember that he's going to stay this year at Parramatta, so mm. it's 24 onwards. He'd, he'd be 32, 33 years old by the time that ended so anyway. So he's turned down fifty dollars to $150,000 a year to stay with Parramatta. Essentially, yeah, but, when you look at it through these, those I think cold that's hard stock figures. Standard, though. If, you, if you're going to stay at your club, often that's that'll, about that'll, right. that'll be the case. But I think there's cl- there'll be clauses in the contract where if he does deliver on that potential and wins premierships, plays origin, plays for his country, plays for Australia, he'll get the bonuses. So, yeah, with with contracts, I don't know if you guys know, do players have it written to in a contract if I am the starting, you know, halfback in Mitchell's case for a premiership win and I happen to win a Clive Churchill like for instance in tennis players yeah. they win a Grand Slam all their sponsors give them sits a pass yeah, if he won yeah. that Grand Slam it would have been worth financially $20 million that win not and, just the $4 million well, prize yeah, money is uh, there similar yeah, in rugby yeah, league? Adam I think, um, I think what classic was Mitchell Pearce had a contract like that with Newcastle where it was really who get significant increases if they made eight Competition. I think it was 125 grand if they made the top four. It does happen, yeah. But it has to be inside the cap. It goes in the cap. And that's the hard part to plan sometimes for clubs because you, I know there are clubs thinking, oh, I hope he doesn't play Origin because if he plays Origin, (laughs) it triggers a bonus and we're in a bit of trouble here. So I remember a few years ago there was a club, remember when uh, that thing called COVID and the the Origin had to pick an extended squad? There was. Yeah, there was 24 Interpretation around what actually classified Mm. as an Origin debut and Mm. whether or not 18th man counted. So all those things are debated all the time. But yeah, there are some clubs who get themselves into trouble based on representative bonuses. So mm. I know that the big clubs don't like to put them in. Souths, Suali'i. Mm. Is it going to happen? Or are we well, floating things here that maybe are so this, I, I, I got, flying? I got my hands on um, a contract, an offer. Channel 7, you're going? <laughs> <laughs> he hopes so, Come so on. he can get the TV again. I heard that after you, mate. Um, <laughs> oh, they, they, the contract I saw was an offer to uh, Joseph Suali'i yeah. uh, for $2.7 million over three years starting in 24. Pretty good money, mm. um, but I don't think the Roosters would get beaten on that. Okay. So I don't think it's a – I don't, and I don't know if it's still a live offer. Mm. I don't think it is. I think Souths, the way they told me when I found out about it was that it was actually a plan B in case Latrell Mitchell didn't stay. Do you believe that? Where's he going? Well, no. Do I believe it? Well, I think the offer for Suali'i was before the Mitchell signed. So I don't know if that's mm-hmm. necessarily the case. I'm not calling South liars. And that would have been before the salary Correct. cap went up. So it'd be a lot Correct. more in excess of $3 million, that yeah. deal. But it's a, and it's a good deal. I don't think Nick Politis would get beaten on that offer. Not to South Sydney. Not to South. No. no not for – but it's not. it doesn't mean that Suali'i's going to – uh, signed tomorrow with the Roosters. I mean, they want him to. They are having a, a quite a heated exchange at the moment with his management about why he hasn't taken up at least the option that's in his favour for 24. So they, they want him to do that. Because you could probably argue that the option he's probably worth more than what the – I don't know what he's on in his final season. Do you know what he's on 
with that, what that option is with the oh, roosters. I don't have that in front of me. No. But, so you imagine taking that option, he might get less if he goes on the market and re-signs with the roosters. He'll probably get more than what he's going to get paid yeah. next year. Yeah. Can you see Suali becoming like a Sonny Bill ended up and that's essentially a sporting freelancer? Potentially, yeah. Like I think well, he's good enough to – if he suddenly signed with Australian rugby, mm. we'd be interested in Australian rugby in a big way. Like we, like as in, as like Channel Nine would be going down to our news would be going down to training sessions. If Joseph Swally is you own the rights, why wouldn't you be doing that already? I'm just saying we would be there. <laughs> we would be there, and it would get a yeah. lot of publicity. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. it'd be like Wendell and Lottie and, and I, Matty Rogers. I lived through all that. Yeah, yeah. I lived through all of that, and and we would be at Waratah sessions, and the Waratahs never got as much publicity as mm. uh, when Matt Rogers and and Lottie were there. Uh, Dell, but it Dell sells, you know. Dell used he used to this, the turnstiles used the to turnstiles. click. The yes. turnstiles would click for Wendell Saylor, <laughs> uh, and he was right. Yeah, yeah. He he was an attraction, and uh, that's what rugby needs. They've got Eddie Jones. Mm. Uh, he's a massive attraction. And like it or not, Israel Folau was a huge coup for for rugby as well. Whether you, oh, don't I, start. No, with no, I'm not talking no, about the incident. Talk the end. I'm Israel talking Folau. about when he made well. the, when he made the move over as well. You just yeah. when people cross codes, yeah, the okay. interest just it was huge. Get, yeah. Yeah. Can we not talk about him? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's another whole podcast. Where is he? Bandy. I don't know, actually. Where is he? I don't know. Playing Yarn for you. or something, wasn't he? Was he playing rugby for Tonga? Not too well, sure. Last I heard. Anyway, a right. quick one on Dom Young. Is he going to be a rooster in a week's time? If Nick Politis gets his way, yes. Ooh, um, Nick isn't bad in getting his way, is yes, he? Yes, <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, um, I've talked to Nick about this, and yeah, they'd like him. Mm. They'd like him. Um, but the Knights, on the other hand, are saying, unless they're, they're not keen to let him go now. Mm. But I reckon if they if the Roosters came up with something special in terms of a player, that could interest them. But at the moment, Newcastle are saying they don't want a transfer fee. Uh, they're not really interested, but that might be them playing a bit. Well, the Knights have to stand game. up for themselves. Yeah, and I hope it doesn't go down the path of Dom Young having a dummy spit because I hate when players do that. They just yep. they throw in the towel and give the club that they're at no choice but to let them go. I hope it doesn't go down that path. Mm. Quick one on the Dolphins, guys. I did some journalism this week, some rugby league journalism. Hey, you yeah. missed the yarn at the, the, the fight between the journos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not important. <laughs> well, he's trying to be a journo. He missed yeah, the actual yarn. Right. No one cares about journos blowing their journos. Oh, we spent apart half from an hour talking about it. minutes of this podcast, and there'll be more of it through the year as well. Um, Dolphins, uh, I've done a story for Code Sports about, I, I talked to three Queensland legends about what it means for Queensland rugby league, and we look at it from south of the Tweed, where we record this podcast and all live, is, oh, geez, how are they going to fit another team up there? So Queensland have 65,000 registered players. They've got four NRL clubs. New South Wales have 10 NRL clubs with 100,000 registered players. On that alone, you would imagine that there is enough to go around if you get your pathways right. Now, the Dolphins are really, and I didn't realize this, they're really intent on from Redcliffe up to Rockhampton, 600 Ks of just rampant rugby league love throughout all those communities. So Gladstone, they've done 60 visits, Gordon Tallis was telling me. They're really embedded. Mel Meninga was impressed with what they do. Mel's involved with the Gold Coast Titans. So maybe it might not work for them straight away, but there is a feeling in Queensland that this club is here to stay and eventually they're going to get it right and win more than they lose. Right, right now they're not attractive though. I mean, like no. the idea of watching the Dolphins—they don't seem like a, a dial turner, do they? But eventually, yeah, they'll probably be good. I mean, mm. they've they've got the access to a nursery, and that's important for that area, obviously. But right now, their most attractive feature is their coach. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. They're doing all the right things to set the club up long term. Uh, all the foundations there are in place, and they're doing a tremendous job with that. Reality is, they didn't nail 
well, it doesn't appear that they've nailed the, the recruitment. Well, they didn't get a superstar. They didn't get a superstar. They've signed aging players. And whether or not they've got good kids or not, it's going to be a tough few years by the looks of things. And I know we look at the AFL a lot. The AFL, when a new club comes in, they give them a lot of financial support. They get extra money to spend, draft picks. I think we've missed a trick. I think yeah, but Dolphin, hang on. The if AFL... Wayne Bennett can't get players to sign, then no one was going to. But the AFL, they're chucking money down a well that's never going to come back with their Gold Coast Suns. And the GWS Giants, they've propped up as well. They've had a little bit more success out there, but they have given them draft picks and money. Yeah, and but they don't have what Redcliffe have, which is a junior nursery to get the kids through. But in yeah. the short term... They missed a trick, trick by not getting a star player. Well, that's right. And, and Wayne Bennett tried. He tried Caelan Ponga, Cameron Munster. But the Dolphins will be, they'll be great for rugby league long term. That, that mm. is the right decision mm. by the NRL to put a team there. And somewhere in Queensland. Somewhere in Queensland yeah, yeah. and develop that team into the fourth team. We, we needed that. But in the short term, I think they needed to help the Dolphins attract players, let them throw overs at players. I know other clubs would have been up in arms, but they needed to land a Caelan Ponga. They needed to mm. get Cameron Munster. Because as you said, you watch the Dolphins, there's nothing really there that excites you. Maybe we're going to be wrong. Maybe they'll be four and they could, they four, could be a, four to start the year. They could be a really good be. solid team, right? But the um, but, trial wasn't a good showing. No, but I, and I think I'll definitely watch, you know, with with interest their first few games. But if they start losing a, a, a bunch of games, they're going to be one of the teams I'm going to say, oh, I don't really want to watch that game this yeah. week, mm. unfortunately. Yeah, But no. they're not going to be another Gold Coast Chargers or a <laughs> South East Queensland No, crushes. but that initial stage is so important. Yeah. Like the it Wanderers, I, like I live in the Western, Western Sydney, I spent a lot of time with, in the RBB and that period at the start when the Wanderers came in, yeah, don't look at my clothes, <laughs> was, was so significant. Now, I know it's fallen off a little bit, but I think with the Dolphins, if you're successful early, you build your foundations, you build your, your, your following and you mm. go from there and hopefully the results don't turn people off. Gents, enjoyed Footy Talk Juno's edition yet again and may the feuds continue. They will. <laughs> <laughs>